Welcome to Napa Takakorero, Auckland Library's podcast series for our 2020 summer exhibition, Fun and Games. In this series, we'll talk with curators, collection experts and game players and round out the series by sharing with you some of the voices from our oral history collections as people recall the games they played as children. My name's Brent Giblin, and I helped host a pinball demo here at Auckland Central Library last month. As well as playing pinball, I got to sit down with two of New Zealand's premier pinball players, Danielle and David Peck. Danielle is currently the top women's pinball player in the world, while her father, Dave, is New Zealand's best. So on today's podcast, you can hear highlights of that interview, where they explain some key techniques of gameplay while also sharing their experiences of pinball here and overseas. The pinball machine that they're playing on in this interview is a skateboard-themed machine called Radical. Built in 1990, it's currently on the ground floor of the Central City Library where it'll be until the end of the month. It's free to play for all comers, so grab your notepads, pencils, pull up a chair, and let's listen to two of New Zealand's best pinball players give us some tips and tricks. I started the interview off by asking Dave, what is pinball? It is a game in which you bat the ball around, try and hit the blinky shots and get a whole lot of points. Um, it did start as a gambling machine originally, didn't it? Some origins in gambling, yes. But nowadays it's all kosher. How did uh, each of you get started playing pinball? Dave, I'll start with you as the eldest citizen. Yes. Well, like a lot of people my age uh, in New Zealand, including you probably, Brent, we uh, used to spend a lot of time in the 80s down at the Space Invaders uh, parlour because back in New Zealand in the 70s and 80s, there wasn't a hell of a lot else to do. So we'd go down and play the Space Invaders and the Donkey Kongs and the Pac-Mans and... Um, a little, little bit later in life, when I was about 18, I went to an auction because I was a licensed second-hand dealer and uh, bought a whole lot of Space Invaders machines. So uh, much to my mother's horror, her lounge was filled with Space Invaders machines that I bought for <laughs> pennies on the dollar at an auction. Uh, and about a year later, I bought my first pinball machine, and uh, which again was from a that was from a pizza shop that was going bust. So it was a 1976 uh, Gottlieb Solar City electromechanical machine, and when I bought it, paid $100 for it, and it didn't work. So um, I figured out how to make it work. And uh, fast forward nearly 30 years later, 30 years later, and uh, now there's 130 odd in the house. So. Uh, yeah, that's how I started. Yeah. Which works on nicely. If there's 130 in the house, Danny, I'm, I'm guessing it's not too hard to guess how you started. No, I was just um, I was just surrounded by pinball from when I was birthed. Came home in a pinball machine. Not really. That is a joke that we have, though. And, you know, I've just been playing since I was two. Um, tournament play didn't start until I was older. Like, uh, tournament play didn't enter New Zealand until probably, what, 2010? Yeah, 2012. There you go. So um, I sort of started playing after that because I, I was just into it, you see. Has your technique changed over the years? No, uh, you definitely, as, as I've got into um, when we first started competitive pinball uh, back in 2012, I was a very much on-the-fly player, which was just um, smacking the ball around while it's live, never stopping it, but going, to the world to, uh, going around the world and playing in pinball tournaments. Uh, if you want to be a consistent player, you have to grab the ball, stop the ball, aim your shots. There's a lot more to it than just flapping the ball around. If you just flap the ball around, you'll get 
probably one or two good games in 10. If you can control the ball and uh, aim your shots and slow the ball down, then you get a good game, 9 out of 10. So that's the big difference in my play, especially over the last couple of years. Daniel, um, we're going to witness this a bit later, but I, I've noticed that you've got quite an interesting technique uh, in terms of um, standing at the machine. There's a little bit of a dance going on. Was that always the case or was that something you developed? I think I developed it over the years. I sort of go off and on. It just sort of, it just sort of works for however I feel. And dancing to me, just uh, uh, it's called dancing, quote unquote. I guess it's just like a thing that I do that sort of keeps me in the mood. You know, it makes it a little less boring. I know that sounds weird, but I like to just, um, I like to feel the flow of the machine and sort of work with it, I guess. It's sort of just like how I express myself while I'm playing. It's weird. People, some people wear headphones to get into the flow, some people put earplugs in, some people have their favourite music. Do you think that helps? Uh, well, I personally listen to music and the reason why I like to listen to music is because I find that if, I'm if I have to shoot the same shot over and over again, it keeps me, you know, it keeps me in the mood to keep shooting that shot over and over again because sometimes it can get a bit mundane. And it also does allow me to tune into the machine um, and just the music rather than listening to all the stuff going on around me. Because when you've got like 10 machines going all at once, it can be loud, it can be really loud. So the music sort of helps me. Just tune in a little bit, yeah. What was the path for you becoming the number one woman in the world? Do you think it was something that happened over, you know, a year, a couple of years? It was interesting because I feel like although my overseas tournaments, because I do we go overseas, we go to America and Europe um, sometimes, and I feel like even though those tournament points didn't necessarily go directly into my open points, which made me number one, that mostly came from New Zealand and Australia, I feel that going overseas to America and Europe definitely upskilled me. Playing against some of those players who have been playing tournaments since the 90s, the 1990s, that really made me a better player because, you know, you've got to fight to get the first on any of those sorts of games, especially playing against, like, the actual number one men in the world. So, Dave, uh, how did you choose when you first started going overseas? Did you, how did you get the intel on what tournaments to go to? Did you just go pick one and go and, and talk to people and go from there? Or did you, you know, have some ideas? Funnily enough, the first thing, first big tournament we ever went to, well, I ever went to because Danny didn't, wasn't playing at this stage, was um, 2012 was the first year that um, the World Championships, uh, the IFPA World Championships, uh, which is held every year either in America or Europe, and in 2012, they instituted a thing to make it fair for everybody because different countries play different amounts of tournaments. Uh, and obviously in, in America, they play way, way more pinball than we do down here. They play pinball two or three days a week. We, we play pinball once or twice a month. So it's a, lo a lot different in, in the points that they gain. So IFPA changed the World, um, the world uh, Championship Tournament to uh, allow two, the two top-ranked players from every country in the world to attend, and then the rest of the numbers are made up by the highest-ranked players who want to go. So um, I got automatic entry in 2013. That was my first ever big tournament, and I went with another Kiwi called B, uh, named BJ Wilson, and we went to Germany just out of Frankfurt and went to um, a huge world championship, and that was a real eye-opener because um, we had to play 24 machines in the tournament, and 15 of them I'd never ever seen before, let alone played. So, um, and they were all—you have to play a lot of older machines at that stage. My collection was 
probably about 30 or 40 machines. No, most probably more than that, actually, probably about 60 machines. And I had hardly any old ones. So since then, I've got a lot more old machines uh, in my collection so that uh, all the Kiwis can come around to my place and upskill on the old games. Because old, the older games, by older I mean pre-1980 or pre-1990, are a huge part of uh, a pinball, which is a little bit underappreciated here in New Zealand. So, um, But going to tournaments like that, so I've been to, I think, four world championships, um, I think two in Europe and uh, two in America. And then uh, just recently in January, we went to the Indisc tournament, which is now called the Open. So uh, that's open to anybody, and 300 of the top players from around America were there. Um, And these guys are all hard, skilled, um, you know, really talented guys who, like I say, play pinball two or three times every week. So you're pitting yourself against the best. Uh, In the Classics tournament, I qualified in the top 32 out of 230 people, uh, which was the biggest ever Classics tournament held, and I ended up in 24th place, unfortunately, in Classics machines, the older machines, no ball saves or anything, so uh, I had three bad games in a row, and see you later, you're out of there, but I ended up, I think, in 24th, so that was pretty respectable, so um, my best ever finish in in an international tournament. I think our fifth in the Brisbane Masters, which was a huge 150-people tournament, and seventh um, at the IFPA World Pin Golf Championships in Dallas a few years ago, and that was all the top players as well. So those are pretty respectable results. The chances of me winning any of those is remote because some of those guys, their skills far beyond anything we have down here. And, and that, like I said, the com- competition hard, which is um, it's like a Kiwi tennis player going and playing at Wimbledon. You know, the, we all know what's going to happen there. <laughs> Uh, were the machines different in Europe? Do they have a different range, or is it all imported American machines? Since the uh, 1930s and 40s, mostly 99% of pinball machines are made in Chicago, Illinois, in America. So you had uh, Gottlieb, Belly, um, the old Stern, uh, Chicago Coin, who were making pinball machines. And yeah, funny how they all, all came out of Chicago. There is there are a few there were a few European pinball companies like Zachariah and Sonic. Uh, but they, um, yeah, they were all sort of closed down at the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s. Um, year 2000 came around, Williams closed down, Gottlieb was long gone, uh, and the only pinball company left was Stern. Around uh, about 10 years ago, pinball went, started going through a huge resurgence as all the people who played uh, pinball back in, when they were kids in the 80s and the 90s all started to get a little bit of money and started buying all the pinball machines. Now there's about 10 active pinball companies, biggest being Stern. You've got Jersey Jack Pinball, Spooky Pinball, and there's uh, American Pinball, a number of pinball machines around the world making pinball machines again, uh, although they're not making them in the numbers that they used to back in the 80s and the 90s. There's still probably about 20,000 pinball machines being made every year now. So, Danny, um, what's your favourite? Well, do you, do you play old old school machines as well as new machines? Do you have a fav- Do you have favourite? Yeah, my favourite game right now is a new game from Spooky Pinball. Uh, they're, they're all made in Benson, Wisconsin. And um, my favourite is Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle because I love Alice Cooper now. I didn't think I loved Alice Cooper. Now I love Alice Cooper. Uh, going to his concert, I'm very excited. But yeah, um, I like that game because of the challenge that it presents. The um, Spooky can make shots very hard um, with still being accessible. And I like the rule sets because the, um, the rule set on that game is slightly different for modes and it's I, I won't get into it it's a bit complex but I, I love that game so good right, excellent funnily enough I just played Alice Cooper for an hour before we came down but so yeah as out of the modern games it's probably my most favorite at the mo- uh, my most favorite my favorite at the moment uh, followed by I, I, I really like the old games probably my old all-time favorite games probably Paragon which is a, a belly game from 1979 uh, f14 Tomcat from 1987 wouldn't be too far away those are some of the classics um, getaway 
away. The Getaway is a popular game here in New Zealand from 1992, I think, and that uh, always gets a good thrashing as well. So those are some of the favourites. But yeah, it's hard to say. A different the answer changes changes every week. So, uh, but those those are some of the um, long-standing favourites. I bought my first F14 Tomcat in about 1992. So, and I've still got one. What's that? Nearly 30 years later. So it's it's an endearing game. Just keeps on giving. It's a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> What can you tell us about this machine that uh, Danny's going to get up and, and play for us? Right, so this is a uh, 1989, oh, 1990 sorry, Bally Radical machine. It's a very rare machine. There's only 1,300 of them ever made. Uh, it's one of the System 11 board set games, which there was 30 made of, which we're lucky enough to have all 30 of them out in our house in Pukekohe. Um, this particular game, let's say, rare, rare game and, and themed on the um, skateboarding craze that was going around in the late 80s. So this game's quite, quite sought after for tournament play because of its flowing shots. Uh, simple two-ball, multi-ball. Uh, no, being a system 11 of that era, it's no ball save at all. Um, and this is pretty much how we've got it here, is pretty much how I have it set up in the World System 11 Championships that I hold uh, every year out in Pukekohe um, in March. So people come from around the world to play in my uh, System 11 tournament. So yeah, it's a very, very cool game, and a very, there's only a few of them in New Zealand, so it's always, uh, always good to put it out and let people have a go on it. Remember, this, is, this game is free for you to play, and is here till end of the month, yep. I'm going to get uh, Danny to talk about how she approaches a machine when she first sees it, as in, okay, I've never seen this game before, what, what are my go-to shots? What's your kind of approach? The first thing that I like to do when I go up to a machine and I haven't seen it before, if it's available, sometimes they'll have the little rule set card, which is down in one of the things on the apron down here, just a little card, and it sort of gives you um, some main overviews uh, as to the rule set. But if that's not available, like on some old games, you don't really see that as much, or or, you know, you might just have no idea. A lot of old games, they're all different. You won't have seen them before because of how many there are. But if that's not available, uh, you can look it up online as well because, you know, online, good things. Otherwise, you know, you're going to look for the main shots in the game. So what's really prominent looking in this game and um, or what's prominent in the insert. So what, you know, the light up things in there. On this game, if I'd never seen it before, I'd notice the just like so many ramps. You see, you've got your A ramp, your other A ramp and your I ramp. You know, there's a lot of stuff and you'll notice that there's radical on the play field to be spelt out. So it's like, hmm, maybe that's a thing, you know what I mean? And lots of million shots. So yeah, keeping an eye out for those as well. <laughs> All right, so we uh, push the button, give it a start. Yes. Um, and I think that the only other thing that I know and Dave mentioned is that when I first started playing pinball, I was very much a flapper, uh, but learning to hold the ball. Um, really, the thing that I tell people, and it, it can take a long time to sort of get the hang of, because especially if you're not used to it, if you've played it for a while and you're not used to it, but it's just like, just like hold the flipper up and try and get the ball to slow down. If it's coming down a ramp and you hold the flipper up, it can go over to the other flipper and you can hold it that way. It's just, yeah, really that's slowing down. But um, we'll see if I can do some of that here. All right, here we go. Oh, the sounds are quite low as well. If you don't know what to do as well, sometimes the sounds on the pinball machine will say, shoot A. So it's like, okay, maybe I should shoot the lit A. So uh, we'll get started. So what I'm gonna go for here is R A, where's the D? D I C A L, spell radical, get into multi-ball, and we're all good. Then I'll just instant drain. So see how I trap the ball there, you know, just slow it down. Sometimes that's all it takes, so. I'll just aim for whatever I can. It's funny because aiming sort of just is learnt naturally, but oh, I made it up. Nice. Ah, oh, 
And uh, to explain my little nudging there, nudging's an important skill in pinball. If you can, uh, if you can do it well, you can save a ball from going down the out lane and draining, which is always, which is always nice, not lose your ball. Um, but the tilt stops you nudging too heavily, correct? Yes, Talk yeah. If you, um, if you shake the game really hard, there's a little bob on the inside that'll shake around and if it makes contact too many times, it'll tilt your ball, the flippers will stop working and um, it will insta-drain your ball and you don't get any bonus or anything. No more play until the next ball. On some, some really old games, it... Um, oh, kick back. Ah, trying to save things and talk. Um, on the old game, sometimes it'll just cancel your whole game, so you've got to be careful. Oh, there we go, look at that. Up the ramp. And we're into a multi-ball. So multi-ball is when you have multiple balls on the play field. So this is a two-ball multi-ball. I've got two balls straight away, trying not to drain. And, oh, if I don't drain, ah! Um, what's really cool, now you can get big points in multi-ball if you don't do that. Jackpot was lit on the A ramp and I didn't get it. Still lit too. I can't get it though. Okay. And up. Uh, no, I didn't get it. But typically you get good points on multi ball from getting your jackpot, which there was lit at that big ramp. Uh, how often do they come out? Do they, oh. they sort of do they have seasons like other things do? It's not tennis, mate. <laughs> Are you bit, about six or seven or eight or nine or ten pinballs come out every year. Stern normally puts out about four or five machines a year. <clears throat> Most of the other companies are doing one or two. So, Yeah, I think that's what's interesting about pinball now. It's almost like we're getting flooded with machines because um, there are so many, um, so many brands now trying to release just as many pinball machines as possible. And, and it would be fair to say that they've sort of gone from being out in time centres into people's collections nowadays. You have collectors, don't you? Oh, definitely, and I think that's what's really funny about pinball now, um, more so than back in the old days. You know, back in the back in the day, it used to be very much, oh, they're on location, which means out in an arcade. Whereas now it's got a sort of, um, you've got sort of two different groups. You've got your players and your collectors, and there is overlap between that. My dad's very much a collector and a player. It's sort of funny, because you get these very funny collectors who, if their machine, like a switch is out, they're like, What's happening? It's, uh, I can't play it, but it's, it, it is, it's, it's cool. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt Dave's gameplay, but I'll ask him this question, and, uh, which is, do you have to know how to repair them? Uh, you do when you own 100 of them, <laughs> otherwise it's going to be very, very pricey. So it does, it does very much come in handy. A lot of people can't, um, but um, unfortunately pinball machines do break uh, because unlike an, they are an electronic item, but there is move, a lot of moving parts in a pinball machine so your flippers need like the, I've had this machine's been in a bar for a few for four months and it's been here I can feel the flippers need to be rebuilt so it takes me an hour or two to do give this a full service and then she'll be good clean up uh, rebuild all four flippers yeah probably two hours and she'll be back into um, tip-top condition again for its age and so do we still have a lot of pinball machines in this country though you know ones that were back in the day that float around that yeah, are in your garage yeah, it's funny, uh, we actually hear a lot of people and they're like, they'll, they'll just email dad and be like, oh hey bro, we've just got uh, this na our neighbour or our friend has this old machine that he wants to get rid of out of his garage, so do you want to look at it? And they'll have some rare games that they bought for like 500 bucks back in the day, you know? We just got a Cosmic Princess that's a really rare, like only 350 I think made. Actually made in Australia back in like the 80s I guess. Got that out of some guy's garage, <laughs> you know? So um, it's funny, oh yeah, and the Hercules, oh yeah. There's this game called Hercules and it probably like 
triple the size of a normal machine. It's huge. It's crazy. I've played it. You should look it up online because it is quite something to behold. Yeah, and that um, that was just in some lady's like garage or lounge. Yeah, and she'd had it for like 30 years or something. I don't know. It was just random. And um, we had to go pick it up. It had a nice roach in it, dead roach in it. So yeah, clearly it had been sitting there for a while. What's the what's the competitive pinball for women scene like? You know, are there other many other players? Is it a separate competition? Do you compete against men? What, what has it role? Um, I think it's interesting because it really depends on the person and the location that you're at. So a lot of women just play in open tournaments, which is where men and women play. You know, with uh, no invitation sort of thing. And you know, it's it's pretty thriving now. Women, uh, women in pinball has definitely grown as a scene. Um, a lot of women bring other women friends into it, or you know, husbands see that they're women there bring their wives into it so I think that's really nice you know because it is male dominant sport so I think um, they're having a real resurgence there there used to be like one female player probably back in the day back in the 90s you know it wasn't a big thing at all but now I don't know what the stats are like now because um, not everyone registers on the IFA website but there are a lot of females yeah talking about tournaments aside from open tournaments females do run female only tournaments just as a safe space sort of a haven for women in case they are uncomfortable playing in front of men who may be Oh, I just can't get that ramp today. Quite the disappointment. So uh, when you close your eyes at night, do you see bells and hear, you know? Yeah, but it just, it just invades my dreams. No, um, surprisingly not. Actually, it's funny because people are like, oh, do you play pinball much outside of tournament? And the answer to that is actually no. I've got, um, I've got a lot of uh, uni going on. So when I'm at school, it's like, oh, it's too much. Um, but I do play a lot with... Um, Mitchell and Dad on the odd occasion. Oh, I play a lot on the odd occasion, but um, yeah. So what and happens birds. when you've got a high score here? Danielle is about to put her so, initials in. Yes, it's so funny on most games, you use the flipper buttons to scroll through the letters and use the start button to put them in like that. My, high, my initials are D-A-N. So yeah, what kind of advice would you give to any sort of budding pinball players? At least someone's walked off the street into the library going, oh, this is cool, uh, where do they start? My thing is just always give it a go. If you can give it a go, you know, yeah, you can't go too wrong and find some pinball around you. I mean, it, it will probably cost a bit of money, but just have fun with it, you know, you'll get better. And tournaments are always fun if you want to come along to tournaments and uh, land there. Thanks for tuning in to this fun and game series produced by Ngā Pātaka Kōrero Auckland Libraries. The Fun and Games exhibition is open for viewing in the gallery on level 2 of the Central City Library weekdays 9 to 5 and 10 to 4 on weekends. All times that the libraries are open in the atrium, you can enjoy an additional activation of the exhibition with our ground floor offer, Game On. If you'd like to hear more Auckland Libraries podcasts, you can subscribe by clicking follow through your podcast platform of choice. Leave us a comment or click like to share with others.